Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. First of all, Whitney, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out to be on this podcast. I know I've said this to Dana, you know, I've been such a lucky person because I have met some of the most amazing people and have become really good friends. So Dana, Whitney and her husband, Maurice, and, and their amazing son, they were actually at our house in May you know, hanging out at the farm. And I just was in Atlanta with them hanging out. So not only are we two people from the system, we've actually become really good friends. And so I'm, I'm so, so excited. Whitney, I, you know, I've got a thousand questions to ask you and a thousand things I want to talk about. But first of all, how are you and the family doing? much for having us on your podcast as well. I mean, this is this is a great way to spread awareness, and and I, you know, I'm just in in awe constantly when I look at comfort cases and 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 your family and the different avenues that you guys are willing to take to make sure that the word of foster care and ways that we can all come together to make a difference. It, you know, you do get to search out all sorts of avenues, and and I'm I just love it. Um, we're all doing really good. Um, we have we definitely have young people coming into our program, so our entire family is, is having an adjustment right now, but I can't wait to, to talk more about that with you guys. Just Dana to bring you up to speed. Whitney is a local girl, so she grew up she grew up here in the DC area. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's why you still have the Virginia five seven one phone number, which I love it every time you call me it comes up. I'm like, I know my girl's down in Georgia, but you know, she's still she's a local girl. So um we'd like to get a little bit of background you know you you actually were in the system and by the way I want to just say as I'm I'm so proud of you you were actually part of the three percent you actually went to college yes and that was a journey of its own that was a journey so and I what you say about my phone number because Georgia maybe changed my license plate but they're not going to take the DMV out of this girl (laughs) there's just no ways but um we uh yeah so I, I grew up in D.C. D.C. was is my hometown. That's my stopping ground. And, but that's actually where, I mean, I learned all, when I tell people I know all the loops of D.C., it's not just the loop locally. It's, it's the foster care loop. I know all the ins and outs. I know how to get the ETV funds. I know who to call. I know my rights in D.C. as a foster kid. And I just know that there are places around, too, that provide psychiatric help that many people are just like, how did you know that? And, you know, until I divulge from care, other people just think like, oh, wow, she probably just was a, she toured here a lot. (laughs) Yeah, so, so Whitney, I'd like for you to tell some of your story about, you know, what, where you were, because, again, you and I have talked about this, life is about choices, and, you know, where you are today, and I can't wait for us to get into what you and Maurice have been doing, and what you've been doing to give back um, to children who are in the system and that are aging out, that, that 
that population that nobody wants to talk about. Tell us about a little bit about your your background and how you ended up in the system and how you ended up today running, you know, what I consider such a, a, a vital, vital part of your community when it comes to kids aging out in the foster care system. Well, a little bit of background about how I came into care. Um, I, my family is a family of, of immigrants. My family immigrated from, from Vietnam to America. And um, for the first five years of my life, um, I lived in Vietnam by myself. My father immigrated here to America. And even though I was born in America, there was, you know, he's going through a lot of financial hardship and, you know, marital hardship. And I was born out of wedlock. So I got, you know, I got sent to Vietnam um, with some friends of his and he would pay monthly to make sure that my needs were taken care of. Luckily, I had a good five years in Vietnam growing up there. But by the time I came to America, at five years old, because that's when, that's when my grandmother really wanted, you know, me to come here and have the privileges of going to school. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone to school. I, I just wouldn't have. Um but when I came here to America, you know, I, I fell under a lot of hardship along with what it, what my father had to go through as a single father taking care of, you know, a daughter by himself. And, and after having a divorce and having to pay multiple child support, I mean, me, I was like, I, I just had a brunt of everything, you know, his anger, his finances, all that stuff. And, um, and I was tossed around various places. You know, I lived with my aunt. I was there for, for a long, long time in my life. But when I lived there, um, everybody had to work. You have to earn You have to earn your keep. <laughs> yes. Even at like five years old, six years old, you need to know how to put your hair together, pick out your outfits, and you, you got to know how to survive. You just do. Because our family, we work in restaurants and we're waitresses. We bus. So I, I didn't get to see my dad often. He drove a coach bus and he was constantly, you know, gone. And growing up, like, I, I learned my immediate skills of self-care because I, I had to. Um, but during that time, I was, I was very much abused by, by friends in the family that also rented the home. It's always hard to talk about, but I always remind people that when you talk about things like abuse, um, especially as going digging deep about what it was like to be a vulnerable little girl, um, when you talk about it, it's okay to get emotional. It's okay to, to tell the world that that hurt, but it didn't break. It didn't break me. Um, so... I went through a lot, like, as a kid, and, and it got, like, my abuse went on for, like, nine years, um, from anywhere to just five years old, all the way until I was 14 years old, and I just didn't want it anymore. I just, I couldn't keep the secret anymore. It was taboo to talk about sexual abuse in a Chinese culture. You don't talk about that. Gosh, you don't even talk about your menstrual cycle, you know, you just, you just don't talk about that. And so when that happened, and, and I shared it with my, with my family, the first response was, why didn't you speak up sooner? So when that happened, I just, I, I found a man that gave me attention on the internet and I just ran away. I just ran. So I fell from one awful hand to another. And from there, the police officers found me because there was a, an alert out for me in Virginia. And that's how I came into the foster care system. But when I came into the foster care system, I felt punished because as somebody who ran away because I was getting abused, I ended up sitting in a detention center for six months at a time. And, and it was a very confining moment. But from there, a lot of things broke, like a lot of things um, broke free for me, even though it was a detention center. I found God. I didn't know where I was going. I, I, I'm glad I found him because I wouldn't know where 
where my faith would stand, I, I don't even know if I would mentally be alive at this point because it was it, it was such an awful entry into care and a welcome, you're going to be taken care of, you know. Um, the person that ended up hurting me, he did commit suicide, and, and that was a burden that I had to learn to cope with throughout my time in, in the foster system. And, you know, I think that's the one thing that I feel like we can always educate our uh, our community a little bit more on is what does it mean to be in different places? What do those places look like? It's not always a foster home. It's not always a group home. Many times it is detention. Like, that's where they keep you sometimes. If there's it's one of the only options because there's no other homes for you because placements don't accept, you know, things that have been on your track record. Foster parents can't, you know. So, so that's what I mean when I tell people I've lived over 18 places. Wow. Wow. 18 places, Dana. You know, it's just, to me, to know who you are, Whitney, and to know, you know, what you've gone through and to where you are today. I mean, you would have every single right to say, this is all about me and I want to focus on me and this, I'm going to make tons of money and be about me. But instead here is a young lady who that many homes and gone through that much abuse mentally, sexually, physically. And instead what you're now doing is you're giving back. You know, I want to talk about your charity. I want to talk about exactly what you're doing in Atlanta, and which, by the way, I feel needs to be duplicated all over the country. But let's talk about (laughs) what you are doing today. Uh, Today, we do a lot of things, things I never imagined we'd be doing. (laughs) Kind of like what I did today was being somebody's immediate contact um, when a young person has a destructive a destruction in their placement for those who are now who are listening. What that means is just, you know, there's there's been a few issues where they're at, whether it's a group home or foster home and they have to, and our kid has to be removed. Um so um we we do a we do a few things. Um some of the things that we do is like I just said, providing immediate needs for, for young people bouncing around in the foster system um with, with nothing to their own. Like having a, a hairbrush that's your own having undergarments that fit, you know, it, all of that brings so much dignity back into a person and strength to carry on. Um, it's an honor to be able to serve that way. Um, some, the other things that we do is we have a room called Haven. Um, I, I am proud, proud, proud to say that um, Rob Shear, his family, and Comfort Cases um, are sponsors of Haven. Um, we work together as a team um, with um with other authors who've been through the foster system and do write books, we all come together to redesign and develop this this one what what this was it used to be like um like a trashed closet essentially is what it is. I can't find a better way to say it, but sometimes you can't just you know like hide how to say honest things. So, but it was a very trashed closet. Um, but that was where caseworkers and kids that's where they had to rummage to get their clothes and. We just thought, what a beautiful room, and, and how um, how would it be better to just clean it up and, and bring back what caseworkers and children and families deserve? So we are reinventing it and redesigning it. It's going to be a room where it's completely um, has is very teen oriented, because um, that's, that's where most of the kids come from. They're they're older teenagers. Um, we'll have clothing there. We'll have um, hygiene products. Uh, we will have some awesome comfort cases there. <laughs> so no no young person will ever leave that room without having a backpack to their own, a luggage of their own, clothes that fit, shampoo that's never been opened before. Um, 
and having a place to lay their heads because foster care is 24 seven. It is not a nine to five. There, there are young people that get, that will get pulled out at six, seven, eight, eight o'clock at night. And they come into the office and where do they have to lay their heads down while the caseworkers sitting at the office is calling and making phone calls. They'll now have a couch that they can rest their heads on. There's blankets for them. Um, there's snacks for them. There's a TV for them. So it's completely different. It's a new way to just say, you know, you're taken care of. That is, is just what we're trying to do. Um, something that I'm really proud that we do um, in the winter is that we do have a, um, a with love project. Now the with love project was, um, developed during my time in care when I, like my family just kind of ostracized me when I was in foster care. Um, so I didn't really get much of like any visits or gifts for, for the holidays. Um, this family gave me this teddy bear because I said, and my, my GAL, my guardian at Lightham was like, you know, I, um, what do you want, Whitney, for your Whitney, explain to like, explain to, sorry to cut you off, but explain to Dana what a guardian of Lightham is because as you know, most people don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. No, a guardian at Lightem is a is a court appointed attorney that represents on behalf of the young person in care and is able to make very prudent decisions um, regarding family um, circumstances and placement. Okay. So yeah, so like my guardian at Lightem, I didn't realize how lucky I had it until now. I'm working with other young people and and they don't know who their JAL is because. GALs are not required to see you, um, you know, every single week or month or on your birthday. They're just supposed to know your case. They stand up and they represent you. They speak on your behalf. But you can't really do that without getting to know somebody, right? Right. It's hard. So it's just so, another uh, aspect of the system that could that needs work. Right. Um, I'm starting to learn that. I'm starting to learn that. I didn't realize. I just figured GALs are great. Everybody knows that. Everybody has them. Like, oh, my gosh, they're Casa. They're like incredible people um until i realized like oh no wait not a lot of um kids know who their jals are especially kids in group homes um and, and um in in more you know maximum overwatch uh residentials you know that's where our kids with um with major needs are there you know anger issues and um schizophrenia you know that's where they're at and, and a lot of times they they don't know who their jals are and wow. that's scary to me but wow. yeah, yeah I, my GAL. That, I agree with you. I mean, that is something that, you know, if you did a poll right now um, to kids who are in the system, who their guardian of litem is, you know, and not all states, by the way, have guardian of litem, but they have something in that's similar to that. They would have no clue. And I will tell you, we were lucky with our four kids. We had the mm-hmm. most, we had two guardian of litems, one for our first um set of siblings that we adopted and one for our second set of siblings we adopted and they were amazing and they were so into our children that they really cared about and that's what guardian of lighting should be i mean it's not about the birth parents not about the foster parents it's about the child the the children the children exactly you know and especially if you're going to stand before the court of law like and, and this has to do with a young person's life you should probably get to know who this young person is because what they what's on paper is not who they are. It's absolutely not. Right. Um, 
but when he asked me, uh, his name is Perry Garson. He, he works actually in Alexandria and, and in Arlington, and he's the best. Even still today, he sends me emails on, like, my half birthdays. I didn't realize that my half birthday is July 2nd. That's because I made such a big deal out of my birthday once I started receiving presents <laughs> when I was <laughs> in the system. Um, and still today, my family, like, when it's my birthday, my son's like, it's mommy's birthday. I was like, that's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I just, my birthday just was never celebrated. Oh, my know, gosh. I, I I talk I talk about that I talk about you know I I even write that in my book you know that I remember I was forty years old and Reese threw me the biggest birthday party I had ever had because I had not had birthday parties um, I it, there was nothing special about my birthday I was I don't ever remember anything ever being special about my birthday and and people laugh at me all the time because I overdo it probably which I know you probably do too with your son <laughs> but I, I do I, <laughs> I overdo it yeah. I overdo it because I those I mean it's such your special day right and, and, and for me it's just you know the, I grew up just a very privileged middle class great family you know we had our issues but not anything like what you guys went through and so to even think that there are children that don't have a family and friends celebrating their birthday I mean we had like three birthday parties like it was just crazy all the time so I'm just kind of learning about all this and you know saying wow like how how are we as a country letting this happen to so many kids where just the simplest thing as having a birthday party is not happening for them among so many other right. things. And I, it's just something I never thought about. Well, you know, it's also like, um, as much as we, it, it, it's, it's every bit of that. Like, it's just, it's not celebrated. But you know what else is, is really the different part of it is, I know that my birthday and, and my days that I choose to celebrate Christmas, and around that time in my own personal, you know, life, um, there's somebody that's mourning over the fact that, you know, I, I don't have, you know, I'm not there. They're not here to celebrate their birthday with me and they can't get a birthday present. And that person is my biological mother, which is also like, which also drives why I, I celebrate so much. Like I celebrate because I am not somebody that needs to be mourned over. I, you know, my life is good. My life is all right. And my life is better than what it's always been, what, it's, what it has been before. So, you know, when I look at other children and they don't care much about their birthday, sometimes I wonder, where did they hear that from? You know, sometimes birthdays are reminders of, of our biological families newfound burden that they've carried on you know and, and that led us into the system right you know there's that aspect too and so yeah like perry he's like what did you want for for christmas and i said i want a friend because I, I was so bratty oh my gosh like <laughs> i have a lot of staff to me so like when i was in care it was just it, i had just had a whole lot of it um and i said i want a friend and i didn't really think he was being like truthful to me when he said okay i'll go ahead and get get you a birthday present uh, i'm sorry um a christmas present and when the time came, it was a teddy bear, and I named her Haley because I, I just really always liked that name, and she was my friend. And I saw that that teddy bear came with me to court hearings. That teddy bear was there for me in the bedroom, in my in, in, the, in my um, group home when I had a really bad phone call with my family. And that teddy bear was sitting in, um, in this little bassinet next to my son when he was born. You know, like that's how meaningful gifts are to young people especially in the foster system. I mean, it is, yeah. 
Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. So, so you've taken all this energy and, you know, besides having Haven, which is the, I just think it's amazing. I mean, Dana, I've said this to you and, and I, you know, it's, it is an absolute shame the money that we see wasted and not given to things like making sure that a young lady has feminine hygiene products. Right. I mean, that's just not acceptable. And you and Maurice are making sure that you have this safe place for them. But that's not all where you stop, my friend. You do not nope. just stop there. <laughs> so so let's talk about the, 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 the other project that you guys have kicked off, which, yes. you know, I am so, 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 you know, as our listeners are listening in, first of all, I want you to understand some of the statistics. The statistics are showing that only 54% of kids are that are in the system out of the 438,000, and I think that's a lowball number, but the 438,000 have graduated from high school, that only 11% of them apply to college, and that only 3% get a college education, that 64% of our male population in prisons we're in foster care, 64%. And you and your husband, and I cannot forget your beautiful son who's also, you know, chips in um, to help. What is this new project that you guys have, have taken in, in in Georgia? And what are you, what, what is it? I mean, you have to tell us about it because I want you to tell us yeah. about it, but then I want you to tell our listeners how they can get involved because I think that we, you know, I say this all the time as a nonprofit, Comfort Cases, you know, who's all over the country, there is enough money to go around for everybody. I want you to focus this time on how, tell us about what you're doing and how people can get involved to help change the lives of these kids, which then I know will change the statistics. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> out of all the other things that we do, one thing that runs our life that we are so blessed to be able to do is we actually provide housing for young people transitioning out the foster care system. Yes, 18 to 21 years old, they have a place to live when they enter G and Co's ILP, which is our independent living program. It's located in the heart of Savannah. And we, um, what we do is we provide a fully furnished home um, for Anybody that qualifies through our program, they go through an interview process, and then they receive an acceptance letter. And when they come into the program, it's fully furnished. I mean, there's bed, there, your beds are made. We have a sponsor for you, um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And there's a fridge full of food, and we'll also take you grocery shopping to get your favorite kind of food as well. Um, and we, we walk them through, you know, in their 13-month program, financial literacy. They should be able, by the time they leave, be on their own two feet with their own, you know, established banking account, knowing how to earn credit, knowing what that means and all that entails with that. Um, they'll be able to either go to school um, or, or be employed, which we always encourage having both because you've got to have both. And we're very realistic with our young people. This is what we call the great race. It is time where we need to run like crazy to make sure that you get everything that you need before you transition out at 21, because that is when they age out if they didn't choose to sign out at 18 years old. Wow, that's incredible. And I think I've seen on Instagram where you teach, have trainings and teach classes and do things to really teach people life skills. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I'm kind of like, maybe I need to take this. Sometimes I'm not as responsible as I should be. And it sounds like you have a really, (laughs) a really great program. And you also say, we're going to be doing, we're going to be working on these things too and setting goals for ourselves. So tell me a little bit about that. So like some of the things that 
things that we do with our young people is um, we we try to make it really interactive. You know, I remember when I was in care and I took independent living classes, I really didn't care much with an instructor telling me how to manage things, you know, because it just didn't resonate with me. So some of the things that we do is we go into our young, our young people's um, apartments and we say, hey, what are some of your goals? We have weekly elements. So we have um, every week there's something that we, we work on that establishes the core values of independence. So we have things like, you know, um, Startup Sun, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Self Care Saturday, Startup Sundays, you know, um, Make It Happen Mondays, Teach Me Tuesdays, whatever Wednesdays. Um, and then we also have, give me one second. <laughs> it's like we have all this thriving Thursdays. And for Fridays, we have Financial Fridays for Friday uh, festivities. So let's just say we have something that falls under Teach Me Tuesdays. Um, we have a young man who, who has such a desire to write his name, to have his own signature. He wants to have his own signature because he doesn't know how to write cursive. And he's always, you know, he said, I, that's what I want to learn. So on Tuesdays, we bring in, you know, the, the, um, the what is it, the workbooks where you sign and, and, and do that. So we, we teach that as well. Um, and then for finances and for, um, for employment, we actually take our young people out into job fairs, teaching them on how to engage uh, and talking to people, getting your resume ready. What does it mean to like prep ahead of time and making sure that people see you at your best um, when it comes time for finance, uh, when it comes down for employment, what does that look like? And then we also do a whole course of finances that has, you know, various array of things like learning credit establishment and then how to save and then how to, you know, manage their, their accounts. So we have all of that. We're very hands-on when we do it. It's never just sitting down. We get up and we go. That is just incredible. And it's things like this where, and Rob and I have talked about this on previous episodes, and just when we're discussing things, that's the type of program that sounds like it's going to work really well. And why isn't this something that people are doing all over the country? Because that's what these people need. They need the support, they need the guidance that they haven't had and all that. And I just, I don't know, I just think it's absolutely amazing that you took your experience and what you probably needed at that time and turned it into this amazing program to help all of these other young people. Thank you. I really appreciate it. No, this is very, uh, this is very much needed. I mean, we had one young person that was, um, that said, you know, I wanted to live on campus versus an independent living program. And, you know, while the rest of the process, you know, where somebody would say, yeah, just go ahead and never register them to be in a program like ours. When we finally sat down with this young man and went through everything that it meant to live on campus and their funds and not having a family to give him money, you know, like for food and stuff, like what does that all look like? And it became so overwhelming in debt that he would acquire. So just that, right? Like teaching that practicality of living, um, that's something that we do too. And we, it's so important. It's so important. Right. All those things that he probably wouldn't have thought of on his own had he gone to make that decision on his own. And then, yeah, he would have been in debt. He would have been stuck, maybe had to drop out of school and you helped him. So, yeah, that's incredible. Thank you. We we love it. So tell, tell us how how can we how can we get involved? How can we as the listeners are, who are listening to this, you know, something about podcasts, which I, I, by the way, I knew nothing about podcasts except for the ones that I've been on throughout the years until Dana walked into my life. And so 
podcast will be something that someone will listen to a month from now. Am, you know, in, in, am I right, right about yeah, that? Yeah, somebody will find it at some point and then they binge listen, like how you, how you binge, how you're binge watching The Handmaid's <laughs> Tale now and it's a couple Shh, years old. Albert. She's telling everybody, <laughs> I am binge watching The Handmaid's Tale right, because but, you of know, Dana. I mean, it's been out for a couple of years now and then that's what happens with podcasts too is people will come across them and then they get into it and they just want to hear more and more. So yeah. So yeah, how can people, how can people help? How can people get involved what do you what do you need? So before any before we always and for our end before we always tell people you know how to give we always keep tell everyone keep in mind everybody is unique and as as you know obvious as that sounds that that stems down to why we ask to be for monthly donors and why we ask to donate directly um, you know on Facebook or on our website instead of giving direct items because our young people I mean gosh it's such a diverse diverse group of young people with very specific needs. So every people can um, can support us by becoming monthly donors um, and the amount is their choice. Um, but we do have it as well as $10 where you can come and support us. That $10 is going to go um, and, and allow us to assist with gosh, what, exactly what we needed today, um, undergarments for a young lady, right? Like that, that's how big of an impact that we're able to to make um, through our monthly donors, people can can um, be a part of joining us um, in our mission to better the system and better um, young people's lives by following us on social media and sharing and helping us spread that awareness. Because for those who are not able to give, you have a voice that you that you own that you can encourage other people to speak up for as well and bring attention to. There may be somebody around here that needs help and. They don't know because maybe they just weren't aware of it, but they're in the system. We're able to help them. So by becoming a monthly donor, by by donating um, directly on Facebook to us, when you see something that you can support, that fund will be allocated for that cause. Um, and then also like spread our word around, spread our word around because we've learned that there's a lot of there's a lot of businesses that do want to help. There's a lot of community partners that do want to help. But you know, we we are starting off small here in Savannah, and we need people to champion our cause for our kids with us. So if you have the ability to speak up at your church, um, you know, at your job about what we do, that is number one. Like that would be so awesome to know that there's a group of people that heard about what we do and then is coming in and providing all that they can to make sure that one young person's life and, and, and all the ones who are coming into your program are being impacted directly. So, so Savannah, you hear that we, we heard the word, I love Savannah, by the way. Um, those who are listening that are in Savannah and the surrounding areas, you know, um, make sure that, that, that you follow Whitney and, and this, what's amazing things that are happening, but all over the country, you know, I love that, you know, we do that here at Comfort Cases, you know, $10 a month can eliminate a trash bag. $10 a month can make sure that a young lady can have the proper underwear that a young lady could have feminine hygiene products that a young man could have the razor that he deserves because he doesn't have one you know um these are things that you know are so small for each and every one of us that we don't think about it and you know Whitney how do do people get a hold of you they can get a hold of us by um, do we answer directly on on uh, Facebook Messenger. If you message us there, it could be me, it could be anybody on our team. We are very hands on. Everybody wear multiple hats. Um, you can contact us on info at gilliardandcompany.org. Um, literally, it's our charity's name, gilliardandcompany.org. Um, and you can also um, message us on Instagram, and we're readily available there as well. 
Um, and I just want to make it a point that for anybody that lives, uh, you know, outside of Georgia, if you feel like, gosh, you know, that is just Savannah, Savannah um, directed. I mean, I'm telling you, we do want to spread um, all across the nation to provide this service because every young person deserves this type of love and attention. Um, they do. So we do hope to, to expand. We do hope to spread um, our different avenues of services nationwide. So I'm telling we are all connected with one another and every bit makes a difference. You're exactly right. And, you know, the fact is, is, you know, five years ago when we started Comfort Cases, you know, we were located here in Montgomery County, Maryland, and we were actually helping kids in D.C. and Maryland. And I kept saying, now, just because we're asking for you to help here doesn't mean we're not going to go any. And now look at us. We're in 50 states, D.C., Puerto Rico. And Whitney, I know the drive that you and Maurice have. And I know and I love the fact, by the way, your husband's Maurice and my husband's right, I Maurice. Noticed that too. <laughs> Both married to Maurice. Both married to Maurice. <laughs> Um, we're and, pretty lucky. Yeah, we are very lucky. And the fact is, is that we're, we're when we get together, it's like we have been friends forever. It's so it's so exciting. We love the energy, and you know, we just love the fact that I consider you and Maurice and your beautiful son, you know, our our family. And um, but what I want people to know is that you know this this organization can grow all throughout our country and can help kids all throughout our country. You know, understanding that this year alone we will have 30,000 children that are going to age out of the foster care system. Out of those 30,000, 70% of them will be homeless within two years. If this organization was throughout our country to give that support that these kids need, you have to understand that when kids are in foster care, you know, no one teaches them how to go to the grocery store. No one teaches them about budgeting and credit. I don't care what anyone says. We only have about, and sorry to say this, and people, you can send that hate all my way. We only have about 25% of what I consider amazing foster parents. We have more than 438,000 kids in the system, and we need organizations like Whitney's and Maurice's that are going to support these kids as they're aging out because at the end of the day, either you support them today or you're going to support them tomorrow because they're going to end up in our prison cells. Right, and and what Whitney's doing, supporting these kids, giving them a place of transition from being a child into being an adult, all this support is going to make the difference between a child ending up in prison or ending up homeless and ending up being a productive person in, in our society. So it really is something that, you know, I, I know on, uh, I try to post our foster ca- foster care facts every Tuesday on our Instagram and Facebook and people share them and they're like, oh my gosh, this is just horrible. Well, the way that people can help to change those statistics is to support um, an organization like like Whitney's and what they're doing because that's the direct way they're involved with these kids' lives. They're teaching them these skills and supporting them through it so that they're going to be ready to go out into the world. So it's just awesome. It's just amazing. I really appreciate that. Something that uh, I, I always forget to mention this, and I don't know why I do, but our website is somewhere you can visit too. It's www.heliardandcompany.org. Um, and when you go on there, you can just see all of our services. You can give us comments and feedback, and there's pictures, and you can also sign up on our newsletter, and we provide you very, you know, very personal um, pictures and images of our young people are day to day so that we can all just be a, a one big, like I call it a G&Co fan bam, a one big family in supporting and being that village that our young people need. Well, I, I agree with you. And again, everyone, I'm telling you, we can all make a difference every single day. I know every 
everyone who listens to this podcast and all of the people that follow us through social media. You know, I guarantee you, as I say it all the time, you're you're visiting that overpriced coffee shop. You know, <laughs> Dana just gave up coffee, even though she's back to a cup a day. But you visit that overcost overpriced coffee shop donate that money to charities and organizations like yours Whitney because I can tell you you are in the trenches truly truly making a difference and the thing that you know we're going to have this entire um, podcast coming up um, I think early or late fall Dana about where we're going to talk about nonprofits. Yes. And how nonprofits work together. And Whitney, I want you and Maurice back on the show. Um, I want to do a roundtable about nonprofits and about how we all should be coming together. So much of this, and and you and I, oh my gosh, Whitney gets some late night texts, her and I text and talk because, (laughs) you know, we're both that ones. We're just like, just this, why, why, you know? And, And so for us, it's about making this happen, doing it together. So Whitney, I want to thank you for taking time out. Thank you for being on Fostering Change. You know, as as you say it, I say it, it's up to us to make change. We cannot wait for our government. And we're doing this. And I, I know you're doing this where you're at. And we're going to continue to spread this word. So, so again, Whitney, thank you. Send my love to your family. And I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for letting me on the show. I'll talk to you guys later. Can't wait to be back. Thank you so much, Whitney. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.